0: Hi, this is Steve, co-host of The Art Box. Before we get to our episode today, let's have a word from our sponsor, the Virgin Valley Artists Association.
1: Hi, my name is Chris Pichor. I'm with the Virgin Valley Artists Association, and I've been volunteering for them for many years. I served as president, past president, and I've been on the board of director for probably seven years. I wanted to share with you a little bit about what the Virgin Valley Artists Association is all about. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we're run totally by volunteers. We maintain the Mesquite Fine Arts Center, which has now become the Mesquite Fine Arts Campus, where we offer free programs to children, teens, and adults. We also offer many types of art classes, ranging from all types of brush art, drawing art, three-dimensional art, which would include pottery, jewelry, and earth elements, and even junk art. We have a different competition and exhibition every month, which awards ribbons as well as monetary prizes. We also have space for our artists who are not participating in our monthly exhibition to display their work. And we have a gift shop where our artists can sell their art. We offer bi-monthly and often weekly paint and pour parties on Friday evenings. These are one of our major fundraisers. People get to paint a painting, they get to have a couple of glasses of wine or beer, and just have a good old time. We're coming up on our 20th anniversary in September, and we're planning a big celebration for that. We're also getting ready to have our annual witches Ball. Aside from all of this, we have acquired three new buildings for our campus a new pottery studio, an additional classroom, and a student store where art students can purchase their supplies, hopefully at a lower cost than retail. But all this takes people. People who love and appreciate art and want to let the art spread throughout the community. The Virgin Valley Artists Association needs volunteers. We can use help in all areas, from accounting, secretarial, front desk, people to pour at our paint and pour parties. We need people to help us design and furnish our new buildings. And we need people to do workshops, help us plan and help us set up our fundraising events. If you want to see this community grow in the arts for all ages and all age groups, please contact Chris at C-P-I-C-I-O-R-V-V-A-A at gmail.com or call 435-229-9964. Or you can stop in at the gallery and leave a message for Chris at the front desk. I hope to see a bunch of you come in and offer your services. Thank you for listening.
0: I see trees of green, red roses too, I see them blue. for me and you, and I think to myself...
2: Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, The Art Box.
3: Hi, this is Linda with the Art Box Podcast. Hi, Steve.
0: Hi, Linda. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. Yeah.
0: So you and I haven't done a podcast in two weeks. That's right. We've been running all traveling. running all over the Southwest and Northwest USA. Uh huh. You with were our, traveling with our spouses and and your granddaughter. Yes. Yeah. So here we are, and we suckered. I mean, <laughs> we got Vernon Robinson, who's one of our good friends, our good local friends to sit down with us today and actually i was with vernon um on tuesday we were interviewing your uncle at the lost city museum
4: yeah
0: and that podcast will be out probably before this so go back so go back and listen to it deservedly so i think that was a good interview it was good i'm
3: looking forward to listening to that it's it's going to be
4: fantastic yeah he's got a great story
0: but you know what? Just everyone is good. They are. I, I'm, sometimes this is a pain in the butt, but I just like doing them because everybody's got just... A, there's always a heartfelt thing. Anyway.
3: We're so glad you're here today, Vernon, and we thank you for taking time out to interview with us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. It's good to be here.
4: appreciate you asking me.
3: How did you get to Moapa Valley?
4: Well, I, I was born in Las Vegas, but... Um, My family, my dad's family anyway, came to Logandale in 1909 and they've been here ever since. My great-grandfather came and carved out a farm out of the desert there and my grandfather, I actually live in the house that my grandfather built back in the 30s. So I've kind of orbited around this area. I've lived, a lot of, I've lived in a lot of other places, but I've orbited around this area. It's interesting, I always say Moapa Valley has some kind of a connection to our family because in addition to my dad's family from from back at the early part of the century, my mother's family came here, was, was sent here uh, with the Mormon pioneers uh, when they established the Muddy Mission. Oh wow um, to mm-hmm. to grow cotton here and and not here in mesquite, but in but in the muddy valley mm-hmm. uh, and that that kind of was a failed operation they after they um, uh, realized that wasn't going to go anywhere, they left and went to um, to back to back to Utah. They ended up in orderville, Utah, just the other side of Zion um, but so there's there's kind of heritage on both sides of my family for this area, which is kind of fun.
3: And you said you grew up in Las Vegas? Uh,
4: Partly. uh, We actually moved around quite a lot when I was a little kid. My dad was still kind of going to school and trying to go to law school. And we ended up uh, after moving around quite a bit, we ended up in back in Logandale where I went to grade school. And then uh, it was probably I was 11 or 12 years old. We moved into Las Vegas. My dad had uh, his his work was in Las Vegas and he I think got tired of commuting and and so we moved into Vegas where I went to middle school and most of high school just before the end of my high school though I would I went to Western High School mm-hmm. um, for a time and just before my last, just, just the summer before my senior year we moved back east to Washington DC area and my dad worked on Capitol Hill for um, people may not remember but Senator Paul Laxall Oh yes, was, I remember him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was his uh, chief of staff in Washington for a few, the last few years. Wow, being the senator
3: was that a big culture change?
4: It was. I had I, I had a little bit of a struggle going the year before my high school, yeah, my, my senior year of high school. But um, I think looking back, it was it was tough then. But it, looking back now, I think it was a good thing. I I saw a lot of things I wouldn't have seen otherwise. What, I went to school for a year in college uh, before I. I I served a mission for the LDS Church, and then uh, uh, by the time I came back, my my folks had moved back to Logandale. Uh, My dad got a job at the Department of Energy, and um, so I came back here and almost immediately went down to Southern California to go to school. Uh, I, I I established residency down there for a couple of years and then went to school got an undergraduate degree there and and met my wife and we had one little baby before we moved away. We moved back east to Boston where I went to grad school. I thought my my path was going to be in music at that time so I went to the New England Conservatory in Boston and got a master's degree in piano performance.
3: Oh, wow. And, That's uh, amazing.
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, we're going to be bothering you a lot now. <laughs>
4: I'm, a, I'm a long ways from there now. But, uh, but I did that for, for several years. I, I worked um, in that industry. I finished my master's degree and continued there playing kind of freelance in the Boston area and teaching as well. And eventually... Well, you know, I always say my family grew faster than my income was going to grow in that business. <laughs> uh, although it was, you know, music is a good, uh, it's okay, but when you have a family, it's tough. Because sure. it's a feast or famine sort of thing. We decided to make a change uh, when we had our, th- our third child. Uh, it just wasn't working. I went to work for Fidelity Investments for a while, three years or so on their trading desk. I learned how to be a stockbroker.
0: And that was in Boston.
4: That was in uh, well, actually, the the office I worked in was in Smithfield, Rhode Island. It okay. A, it was a call center, so I was on a phone call bank, doing trades on on the phone.
3: That's a big change from yeah, music. It I'm was a big sitting change. here with my mouth open. Yeah. How do you go from <laughs> playing piano to trading stocks?
4: Yeah, they were good. They, the fidelity had uh-huh. a really good training organization. And so I went into, tra- man, i got to think back, 2001, it would have been in June of 2001, I started as a new hire there mm-hmm. in Smithfield, Rhode Island. And um, we start. that was the summer, so we went through the summer. It was about a three-month training program, at the end of which we had this little party to, to celebrate that we were all graduating and going to be going on the phones in the next week or so. And, and it just happened to be that the day of that party was September eleventh,
3: two 2001. Oh wow! And so we
4: went on the phones early because it, mm-hmm. after that happened, it went crazy. The market, well, the market closed obviously, mm-hmm. so there's nothing anybody could do. But the people were calling, so we were taking calls from panicked people and just telling them there wasn't anything we could do. They wanted to sell, 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 and we were like, oh, sorry, there's the market's closed. You can't do that. But it's just an interesting thing. Um, sure. And and we ended up. Uh, from there, I moved, after three years there, I moved down to, to Northern Virginia again, close to Washington, D.C., where I worked for uh, uh, Fidelity for a year in one of their investment branches. The opportunity came to come back home, which we were excited about anyway, and so we came home. Originally, it was a different opportunity, which didn't work out, and, but Uncle John, my, my uncle who started the newspaper, John Robinson, was looking to retire. And so I stepped in there, and that was in uh, 2000, the end of 2004. And we formed a partnership with him. The rest is history. We've been doing it. We've been doing that ever since.
0: Wow, so 19 years.
4: Yeah, mm hmm. 19 years. A little while.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I did. So when you're in D.C. with your dad the first time, where did you live?
4: Uh, we, lived in, um, uh, uh, okay. we lived in Vienna. Okay. lived in Vienna, yeah. I went to
0: Oakton High School my last year. That's where I graduated. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was born in DC, so. Yeah, I think we Yeah, yeah, yeah I got the it. whole DC thing there. Yeah. yeah. I've heard of Oakton High School.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: yes. Now, when you were um, when you started as a broker um, in Boston? Uh-huh. did you do any piano on the side did you have like gigs at night at a uh, CD bars or anything like that with a, with a tip jar there,
4: there wasn't a whole lot of time like at that time we had three kids and that that job was keeping me pretty busy and so I sort of at that point did a clean cut you know it was a, it i i have to tell you that um, it was a fairly um the the point to that decision was was pretty harrowing. I had a, it was a little bit of a crisis in my life to make the decision, but once I made it, uh, I was okay. It's just like that's what I got to do, and there we go. I, I still do some stuff once in a while. Play the piano for different things and. My kids all play instruments, so we do stuff together that's fun. I think uh, several years ago, during the first year, it's interesting, during the first year of the Southern Nevada Symphony Orchestra with Selmer Spitzer, um, he invited me to to come and and play. We did a a Mozart concerto with the orchestra. We had a good time, and that was his first year with the orchestra, and it was my first time playing with it, obviously, so it, it was kind of fun.
0: That's great. Are you going to play some for us? I mean, not now. <laughs> not now because the Steam Center doesn't have a piano. But
4: <laughs> yeah. You'll, I, you'll go home and record I, something for us? Yeah. What I had to do is uh, I, sh- I should bring a recording to you of uh, something. You can use it as the, as the uh, intro music or something, maybe.
2: Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, we would love it. <laughs>
0: I didn't think about that, but uh-huh. maybe I should do that. Well, I didn't yeah. think about it either, but you bought a piano. My ears perked up. Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: So you're editor, as yeah. well as the fact that you own the newspaper.
4: Correct, yeah.
3: So you're back a little bit on the artistic side again. Writing is art.
4: Yeah, it's funny. I've found all kinds of similarities with the newspaper as compared to when I was doing the piano, uh, doing doing arts. There's a, There's a lot of creative process in there and there's a lot of the same kind of discipline as far as just, eh, there's some long hours that you have to work, you have to uh, get it right. On the, uh, uh, when you're playing the piano, you never, you're never there, right? That's the, the idea, you have these things online where it says you learn to play the piano in 30 days yeah, uh, no. They, you, know, you don't ever <laughs> learn to play the piano. You, you're always you're always working more uh, to get better. Sure. Right? Right. You might learn to play a tune in thirty days, but but there's always more to work on. And that's the same way with the with the newspaper. You know, you're always working. There's always a new thing coming in the next edition. You're working on a different thing. And, you know, I get people, you get those people that will let you know when you've made mistakes, right? They'll say, oh, you you, you messed up that spelling there, or you didn't use the right verb there, or you didn't, you know, whatever it is, um, grammar, the grammar phobes or whatever. It does make you, lo- it's kind of embarrassing sometimes when you make a mistake. Um, it makes you look funny. But I've always said that, you know, once once the ink is dry, there's no point in worrying about it after that. I don't, I hardly even want to hear about it. It's just like, well, that's. We move on. We do try to do better
0: next week. And I I didn't even think about that, but I was a manager for a nonprofit back in Sarasota, Florida, and we put out a paper once a month. And the pressure, the pressure to to proofread as many people as we could get was on. And oh, my goodness, if you made a mistake, you really heard about it. You've got that once a week. Every week. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah. (laughs) and 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 you also have differences of interpretation of something somebody said, right? Somebody might say, "Well, I didn't that's not really what they meant or yeah, that's communication though, right? you My wife's always talking about how she has dreams has dreams. You're back in the dream theme. Uh, <laughs> she has she has dreams about how everybody's speaking a different language, right and And she says, you know, it's kind of true, really." we all really are speaking a different language. Um, we all mean what we mean, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we're you know, translating it the same way that's as each true. other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's really the navigating, the, the thing that you have to navigate in the newspaper business is you say something or you write something that can mean completely different things to other people, and you have to always be watching.
0: That's true, I didn't think about that, but yeah. so true. Ferdinand, can you describe a normal work week for yourself now?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I'll start at the if I if I start at the um, the beginning of our cycle is Tuesday morning because we that's about the time the newspaper's going out on the street. Um, and I'm usually at that point tearing down the last week's paper and starting the new one thinking about what we're going to be covering for the week. I've got I usually keep a list. I make phone calls to all of our writers and we assign out the stories who's going to write what and what they're going to be doing. Um, uh, I've, I'm kind of looking over how the paper is getting out to uh, into the communities, the last week's paper, the, that week's paper. So we're, that Tuesday is usually kind of monitoring that, making sure things are going okay. There, it's funny, I, I'm going to digress a little bit. The newspaper business is really three businesses, right? It's advertising, it's content, and it's distribution. And if you have mess up on any of those, it all falls apart. So Tuesday's kind of a distribution day. We're working on getting that done and getting it done right. And then Wednesday, you know, the the middle of the week is usually gathering the news, going to events. I'm going yesterday, or uh, Tuesday night, there was a three-hour Mesquite City Council meeting that I attended. And enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> and, uh,
0: <laughs> Sarcasm is dripping on the microphone. <laughs>
4: and, uh, but there's meetings to go to. There's uh, events to attend. I certainly will be the first to say I don't attend all of them. I'm so grateful for the people who write for me. Over here in Mesquite, you got Bobby Green. I got Cheryl Jensen. I got a few, a bunch of people here that that are really good, and and we've had this last year. We've had some really good kids um, from the high school gra- that have just graduated, that have been fantastic in covering things at the high school.
3: Excellent. So, yes. Yeah.
4: So that kind of gets me through the week. Uh, by Friday, I'm I'm we're kind of putting the advertising together, uh, making sure we've got that all nailed down. The weekend is usually when I'm ending up writing most of my own articles that I'm doing, just because I've got other things going on. And by Monday is our press deadline. So I'm work, I'm getting up at 4 a.m. And every Monday to get it to the press by 5 p.m., which is my deadline. Wow. So that's a long day usually. It's absolutely. And there's no getting out of it.
0: <laughs> it sounds like a long week. It's a long week. Do you have time to, to be a dad and yeah, to, to do something for Vernon?
4: Yeah, you take the time, I guess. it's it, There's not much left, but, um, you you know... You make the time for what you want to make the time for. Sure. So you have to, it's a lot of balancing, but some late nights, It's we get it done.
3: I love that it's a free newspaper. I, so your advertising pays for the paper?
4: Yeah, the paper has always been, the revenue for the paper has always come from advertising, mainly from small business advertising in the community. We're usually flying under the, under the radar of the bigger companies that are in the community that are, you know, serving needs of the community, but the smaller businesses are what we, are what supports us. I think a lot of those business owners recognize not only the value of the paper getting their marketing out, because I think we get a lot of eyes for sure in the community, both the communities. I think we print about 7,000 copies and by the end of the week, most of them are gone. And I think people are picking it up and looking mm-hmm. at it. And mm-hmm. if they're not picking up the actual paper, they're looking on our website. But yeah, that's always been, it's been the, it's been the small businesses that have supported us all these years and provided uh, the opportunity that we have to provide the content and kind of tell the story of our community.
0: Vern, what part of your job is a passion versus what part of your job is just a job?
4: Oh, you know, I, I think what drives me or has come to drive me at the beginning you know, I had a family to feed, and I, I mean, I still do to some extent. That has become, well, obviously that's the reason why you do it, but the, that has become less of the, the passion of it. It's more now because I love these communities and I love the people in them, right? The, it, there's just so many, you walk down the street and you see uh, maybe every person you see down there has got a, an interesting story to tell. And every business you pass has an interesting story. And I, I like to tell those stories. And and I, I you know, a lot of people, I've, I've got a brother who lives in Washington now, and he uh, he does important things in Washington. And, and he kind of laughs at looking at the newspaper, the small town paper, and the little things that we cover. But I like the little things. I kind of glory in those little things and enjoy. A, an example for this coming week is there's a little girl that won the Cinderella pageant that that showed up at city council on Tuesday night and did a little presentation. The mayor stood with her to do a photo op and and that. And I had a conversation with her afterwards. And it's just a fun, cute little story, right? She's Mm -hmm. so excited and she's going to the international uh, Cinderella pageant in Dallas, Texas, and she's just really very excited about it. And I just love those little things, you know, so. Maybe I'm designed to do this kind of work. I don't know.
0: Well, we thank you because I like reading everything you put in the paper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that.
3: You've seen a lot of change in this whole area, including Vegas. Yeah. Uh, If you could say what the biggest change would be, do you have a thought of what's changed the most in the Moapa Valley area or Mesquite or las vegas
4: so i remember coming home from college it must have been the summer of 92 maybe 91 it was the summer of 91 i came home from college um, i'd had kind of a tough year that year and so i came home for the summer to try to save money and i got a job at the pepper mill
3: which oh was, yes
4: which <laughs> was a little uh casino hotel mm-hmm. where the oasis it became the oasis later on
3: here in Mesquite?
4: Here in Mesquite. Yeah. Okay. I was uh, I was on the front desk clerk. That was all. I mean, the pepper mill was it right there. The, mm-hmm. across the street, there was an empty parking lot. I think the RVs parked there there was no Casablanca. There was no drove down the main street of Mesquite. There was nothing until you got down into the main part of Mesquite. There wasn't much of anything at all. So those there's a lot that's changed in these communities as people have moved in, dynamics have changed, people have changed, the way things are looked at have changed. But I think a lot of people look at growth and they look at they they see, you know, there's a new development coming in and they start to fear what is the traffic going to be like? What are these people going to bring to us? Tr- crime and education problems and all these things. But every time I've seen new growth come in, it's been a positive thing. People come uh, over in Moapa Valley, for example. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But over in Moapa Valley, people say, oh, those Las Vegas people, we don't want them here. Well, we had a little bit of growth a couple of years ago in Logandale there where a lot of people moved in to that, that area from Las Vegas. And they are just the best people. They have changed the community for the better. And I think that really is what happens. I think we we let, we might let fear in there in the early part get the better of us in worrying about it but in the end i think it's good people that come to these areas i always feel like this these communities both virgin valley and wild Valley have kind of a i don't know how to say it but a kind of a, a spirit about them that attracts good people they are comfortable places to be they they feel like a small town should feel right as i've watched people come in it's been For me, they've been positive changes.
3: I love the character of Mesquite in general, and I'm guessing Moapa Valley is somewhat the same way. Everybody comes from somewhere else, and we're also welcoming to each other.
4: Yeah, I think maybe it might have to do with some of the heritage in these communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a great, wonderful heritage of, of sacrifice and community And, you know, I don't know what the better term is, common suffering, right? Mm -hmm. To live in a place like this, when there's no air conditioning, you don't have any buildings except a mud hut. Oh, yes. Um, You have to rely on the people around you. And I think that's a tradition that has stayed, that that tradition of community and supporting one another has stayed even with the people moving in. I think people kind of jump on board of that and realize that it's here. And Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful thing, great place to live.
0: In this day and age, politics is crazy. You're either left or right, and way left or way right. Um, how do you navigate those waters with your paper?
4: Yeah, that's tough, right? Especially in a, in small-town politics. I've found small-town politics is can be more acrimonious, right? Because we're all friends. We all see each other at the grocery store. And for some reason, the closer it gets, the more uh, divided it, things can become. And I've seen it in elections for for Justice of the Peace in Moapa Valley. I've seen that in, in elections for city council and mayor here. I mean, you see it all the time and, and it feels closer to you. I mean, the presidential election, everybody's got their opinion and, and it's over there, right? But in the mayor's election or the city council's election or whatever, it's much closer and you've got more of a stake in it. And so you become much more passionate about it. How to stay, I try to stay fair and neutral in that. Um, I mean, I probably have my opinions, but I try to keep those to myself and just cover what is said and what is presented and w- and what is represented so that I can serve the best interests of people to make a decision. If there's something uh, really egregious that occurs or th- that I need to weigh an opinion in on, then I've done that on our opinion page. But I try to keep my opinions out of our coverage
0: completely. How unique.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> Try to stay away from modeling myself on a, a you know, a Fox News or CNN or something <laughs> like that where it's, it's constant commentary.
0: Vernon, do you have a favorite story that you've ever covered?
4: Oh man, I've got a, I've got a lot of favorites. What would, what would a more recent favorite be? I'm trying to kind of go through my, my mind on some things. You know, I, I enjoy going out into um, the community and covering things about our surroundings so i i enjoy going i remember i went here's a good one i i've got one uh you familiar with gold butte the the township of gold butte and uh those two gentlemen who were buried out there in gold butte there's a grave there's there's two grave sites out there and art coleman yeah william garrett that's the other one a few years ago it was discovered that somebody had gone out there and had desecrated those graves gotten into one of them and had for some reason completely inconceivable to me they'd gotten into it and taken a bunch of, st- of the remains of one of those guys out of there um, and those guys are they're kind of legend at this point they they were uh, and there's a lot of respect from old timers about those guys out there just because of the legend of them mm-hmm. and so there was a group of people who got together that well first of all the the, the police officers, the, the, the sheriff's office, Metro, I guess I should say, went out and did a full investigation of the scene. And they took all of what was left of Art Coleman to do a full forensic investigation of it. And when they were finished, there was they brought it back and they presented it to a group of people who wanted to kind of show some respect for that. And by that time, what was left bit in a manila envelope. There wasn't, there wasn't, there hadn't been much left, but what they did have, they brought back out there and they had a ceremony They and they they had gotten a donation of uh, one of those, uh, what do you call them, a vault, so that they could put a, at least it was, I think it was just the top of a vault that they could put down over the top of those graves that would keep people from being able to get in there anymore. And, they, and so they sort of put that over the top of them and then they put it back together again. In a respectful way, and I just thought that's so what the community would do, right? And it was a it was a combined effort actually between Moapa Valley and Virgin Valley people, who remembered those guys and uh, maybe not remembered them, but they remember the legend of them. Uh, that was a favorite. I went out there for that. It was a beautiful, beautiful out there, right? And it was a nice day. There there were people there who kind of reminisced a little bit and talked about it, and so that's one thing that I uh, one story that I remember really well that's
0: good i think there was about 150 people
4: yeah it was a good crowd of people that came out and helped it was a heavy thing that they lifted down in there yeah i was there i got pictures of all of that and talked to a bunch of people and and it turned out to be a good story
3: what year was that about
4: i i'd have to look at our archives but i okay i'd say it's probably six years ago seven okay. years ago maybe
3: yeah. before i moved
4: here yeah it's been a while
0: Yeah, I think it was right after we moved
4: here. Oh, okay. Okay. Does that sound about right, Steve? Yeah, I think we
0: were in 2016. Maybe it was just before we... Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there. Let me ask you this. Go back to Little Vernon. Of course, Little Vernon was going to be a piano player. He was going to be Jim Brickman of Boston. <laughs> um, he wasn't planning on being um, a newspaper reporter. No, no, no. When did Little Vernon or maybe it wasn't so little Vernon write his first article?
4: Oh, well that's that's a good question. For the progress or just in general? In general. I always liked writing. Throughout college, even high school. I, I enjoyed writing. My dad was a good writer. He kind of taught me how to think. I mean, writing is really disciplining your thoughts, uh, figuring out how to organize your thoughts and getting them put together and presenting them in a good way. And, and my dad was good at that. He taught me well how to do that. And, I, and so I, um, in college, I guess, I wrote a paper. One of the things my dad was working on, was the in the department of energy was the yucca mountain project i decided to write a paper for college i had to do a paper and i decided to write it about that because so i knew a little bit about it and my dad knew a lot about it he got me set up and we went out and looked at yucca mountain and what they had done which wasn't much at that time this was early '90s. there wasn't much there we took a tour and i talked to some of the people that were involved and and on both sides got got a little bit of information, wrote a paper about that. That paper got around a little bit. I don't, I don't think it was ever published, but I think it got around a little bit. But there was a lot of writing back then. Yeah, I did. I took purposefully took a lot of writing classes for some reason. I just liked it, I guess. It, anytime I could take one, I would. And I don't know, published, it was It was probably the progress. I started mm. progress, but I, I felt maybe a little hubris. I felt like I could do it. So I jumped in and just started. And And I've been on the job training ever since
0: still working on it. <laughs> well, when when are we going to be able to read the first novel
4: oh well that's that's going to have to be when i'm no longer working at the progress anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it would take a while i don't i don't know that i have that in me so much i uh, yeah i don't know
3: you like visual arts as well and you've been asked before to be a judge
4: for the virgin
3: valley artists association for their exhibitions Uh once a month
4: yeah yeah i've always enjoyed that i'm always thinking that they're not going to ask me to come back but i because i don't know i I know what i like i and in terms of art uh, i've done a lot of study anyway i don't know how great of a photographer i am but i've done a lot of study in photographic composition and other kinds of things so i kind of know what i like and at some point i guess Maybe they'll stop asking me to do it, but as as long as they do, I love to do it. Last time I brought my wife along; it was on a Sunday afternoon last year in the in the fall, and she's actually pretty good too. She she can draw and she does she does lots of she's very crafty, right? And and so she kind of gave a little input. I made the decisions, but she's she, she kind of gave me a little input as we went. It was just a fun it was a fun time, and I enjoyed it. I always like doing that.
3: Do you remember which exhibition that was? Which theme it was? Mm,
0: No,
4: I can't. It was in
0: October last year, though.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Oh, I think I won Best in Show. Then, thank you, Vern. You might. I'll give you the hundred (laughs) dollars.
3: When you walk in to judge, do you look at the skill level of the artist, or do you just tend to say, "Oh, I like that piece; it grabs my attention." How does that process work as a judge?
4: It's really hard, you know, Mm -hmm. judging is really hard. And I don't know that I have an established, I don't think I've done it enough to have an established process. But I do, I do know that I go through very carefully and look at each one before I make any decisions, right? There are some that suddenly stand out to you, you know, and those are usually the big flashy ones. But then you start to look a little closer at, at other ones that maybe aren't in the same media or aren't. As, as big and flashy or colorful or whatever, you start looking at them and you take a look at what they've done, mm-hmm. right? Look, at how that's pretty amazing that they actually were able to, to accomplish that with this medium. So I look at that, when I was doing it, I think it was just before the association started to make categories. Mm-hmm. So this was just a kind of a free for all, what I decided. And I kind of felt like it needed categories because there were things there Like this photograph is just fantastic that Steve did, right? But but there was also ceramic things there. That's a whole different thing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I tried to to be I tried to spread it out among different different media.
3: You answered my next question before I asked it. So you think it's a good idea that we have the different categories? It makes it a little easier for the judge now.
4: I think so. Yeah, I I kind of like that. I think it will make it a little easier. If I get if I get called back to do it again, then I think it'll be better.
0: This just happens to be one of our favorite subjects. We were <laughs> we were we were editing a podcast yesterday and what did it get down to? Judging. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we actually interviewed quite a an artist with quite a following from Kansas City, Missouri, Greg Summers, and he's been a judge as well. He said he walks in as a judge and he just picks what he likes.
4: Yeah. So
3: I thought that was interesting that you said that as well.
0: Where's the paper printed?
4: Oh, yeah, the paper's printed at the Review Journal in Las Vegas. Yeah.
3: Oh really?
4: They've done a good job for us for for quite a while. Huh. Um, it's become more difficult actually to find a printer um, that has sort of consolidated down with with uh, it being a fairly high tech thing nowadays and pretty pretty pricey to print a newspaper. A lot of the the smaller printers have gone away. We used to go to. Uh, the Spectrum up in St. George used to have a printing press up there. For years, we were up there, and they closed it
0: down mm. with very little mm. notice, actually. <laughs> so we we had to do a little fancy footwork that week and get somebody. Else. Oh, that week?
4: Yeah, I think. Well, I think, little, I think it was a little longer than a week, but I don't think. I think it's two weeks. Whoa! We yeah, so we had to move quick, and I had some people there at the Review Journal that I've worked with before, and. A lot of them go up to Salt
3: Lake, even. Well, Vernon, I have so enjoyed this interview and enjoyed learning more about you. And I also learned that writing and putting a newspaper together is an art form. So we're so glad that you came and shared the process for that and how you got into that. And thank you for giving that free newspaper to all the residents in the area.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's the first thing we pick up when we go and dismiss.
3: That's right.
0: Yeah. Is there a new one? Bottom of the cart, off we go. <laughs> and Vernon, the question we ask all of our guests, so you're probably ready for this one, I bet, is what's inspired you this week?
4: What has inspired me this week? You know, well, it's a little more than a week, but the Fourth of July in these communities is inspiring. The celebrations that happen. I was uh, in in Logandale for the fourth there the, the moapa valley rotary club cooks breakfast for everybody every fourth of july so we're up at the fairgrounds we have a we have a cook trailer with the rotary club and and we're flipping pancakes starting about 4 a.m wow and people start showing up about seven the first thing that they do there is they have a flag ceremony with the veterans there's probably 200 people there. It's not a small thing that just kind of gets tucked away. It's a big deal, and then everybody goes in to, have to breakfast. And then there's a whole morning of activities. And I know Bunkerville has a similar thing, and Mesquite has the fireworks in the evening, and they have stuff at the rec center where the community gets together and can celebrate. And for me, it's celebrating the principles that that we live in uh, with here in America, the, the principles that make us difference in the values that we have here are they perfect no but do do they allow us to have a wonderful lifestyle in the United States of America absolutely and I find that inspiring especially in a small town
0: celebration like we have and we do have great small towns yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, a couple years ago I went to a, a, a pirate bulldog football game in Moapa Valley and it was like I was back in high school Okay, the kids were running around, they were having a good time. It was, I mean, I'm sure some were being bad, but it was all clean, good fun. Yeah. And everybody was smiling, just having a blast. And then at the Eureka, the Shriek Rika, that mm-hmm. worked up there. Oh, yes. The kids are so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they were just absolutely nice. The families are nice. It's just, a, this is a good place.
4: Yeah. It is. And you don't have those kind of community
0: events without good people, right? Good people mm-hmm. that volunteer for them. Good people that, that do all the work
4: behind them and good people that attend them and are just decent folks.
0: Well, Vernon, thank you very much.
4: Thank you. Appreciate being able to be here.
2: Thanks, Vernon. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors Thank You for Listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Artbox page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.
0: If you're not doing anything, stick around a little bit longer. We'll have Vernon tickle the ivories for us. Thanks, Vernon. Thanks, listeners. Thank you for listening to The Art Box. We just get the best guest. Thank you, Vernon Robinson, for a little entertainment.